now for another very fine uh, young Toronto poet, Jacob Shire. Uh, Jacob Shire, the, the, these two uh, poets were just uh, visiting us at uh, Brandon University where I teach and uh, uh, Jacob really uh, intimidated my uh, students because he is still an undergraduate at York University and he's published this very fine book. <laughs> it's called More to Keep Us Warm. <clears throat> Uh, he's uh, also the former editor of Exister uh, magazine and was the winner of the 2003 Art Bar Discovery Night. Um, I'm going to read you two quotations of what people have said about his poetry. This is Pier Giorgio de Chico, who is the Poet Laureate of Toronto. If, as Randall Gerald has said, it is bitter earnest that makes beauty, these poems re-engineer one's astonishment. Shire introduces a confessionalism that disarms with the stark truth. Not a word is wasted. There are homilies here for the brokenhearted, meditations for the wilderness, and a gentleness that resurrects hope for the civic animal. All in all, a powerful feast and one of those rare compasses in our postmodern bewilderment. And here's one by Mana Wallen. Oh, and yes, by the way, some, somebody was asking. Um, it was Jacob Shire related to Libby Shire, the late uh, Toronto poet. Uh, yes, Libby was uh, Jacob's mom. You will, if you know Libby's poems, you will hear some uh, influence, some Shire, Shire, Shireian influence across transgenerationally there. <laughs> this is Mana Wallen. Shire wrestles with angels, and he can fight dirty if necessary, over the toughest of subjects, God, prayer, love, the absence of love, and the living ghosts among us. When a poet is willing to scrape this deep, the result is a true offering, a glimpse inside ourselves. More to keep us warm is elegant, conflicted, and damn funny too. It will keep you warm, I promise. Please welcome Jacob Shire. Thank you to uh, Derek and the uh, the Cirque for uh, having me here in this really cool and unique uh, venue. I like it. <laughs> so, um, I was gonna say, I keep saying that thing about me being an undergrad, and what she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't tell you not is like I'm nearly 30 years old. It's really not. <laughs> I don't think it's a good model for your students. <laughs> but anyway. Actually, going to start with um, someone else's poem. It's a translation, which actually I collaborated with with Dai of a Rilke poem, which is called uh, "The Voices." It's all right for the rich and the healthy to keep still. No one wants to know about them anyway. But those in need have to step forward, have to say, "I am blind," or "I'm about to go blind," or "Nothing is going well with me." or I have a child who is sick, or right here, I'm sort of glued together. And probably that isn't enough. They have to sing. They didn't sing, everyone would walk past, as if they were fences or trees. That's where you hear the good singing. People are strange. They prefer to hear castrettos and choirs. But God himself comes and stays a while, and the world of torn and cut people starts to humble him.
This poem is called uh, Big Band Music. This music, which could only be written before the Second War, before the soundtrack of Europe was composed by mice running along piano keys, is music meant for how our bodies used to be before the dance steps we learned became a talent for avoiding the landmines beneath our feet. There's something in the pace of the rhythm, how it doesn't slow to take in a landscape, how it assumes the world will still be there when the music stops. The song is replaced by the hourly news, the wars which are now commercials between melodies. I turn off the radio and lie still, taking in all the sounds my body makes when all else is quiet, how fragile and clumsy this machinery seems. I am lying here waiting for an assassin with the wrong address or something heavy like love or a piano to fall on me. I am surprised that just once my heart hasn't forgotten, like when I confused days of the week or which people are still alive. How my heart still remembers to pump blood through my body when I forget so easily all the little things that need to be done to remain alive, to look both ways before crossing the street and forgive people before tumors fill their ears and they can only hear decay. I've been lying here too long. I've been lying here so long I can recognize the chorus of my breath and I think I've just been shot when the phone rings. This could be the call, the million dollar call, the Jesus call, Virginia Woolf explaining the day she chose the heaviness of stones and anonymity of rivers over the weight and light of the world. I've been lying here too long to distinguish war from suicide. Genesis of Falling Out. How little is described in those pages. We do not know which flowers grew between the first man and woman, which ones blossomed like the offering of an open hand, or kept their petals closed tightly as mouths exhausted of language. The author knew that to name the flowers would give us pictures of the ones we know, the ones that have been stepped on or torn away, and so they became the idea of flowers, aligned in straight rows, colors bright as television garb. Man and woman, photogenic, no lines in their faces. We do not see their hair when they awaken, have no awkward images of their first time. Without parents or movies, would they know how the parts fit? It has become an old favorite, the story that ends without bickering or boredom, forced apart by fate, an act of God. How often we use the term now, falling out of something we have made in the absence of description, if only our story ended the same with a bang, not a whimper. If only we followed their example and did not stay long enough to see the seasons change. Okay, so I'm going to read one, uh, one film poem myself tonight. Not a, little, a little more piano. Um, sort of, uh, popular film, I guess. Um, this poem's called Harold and Maud. Um, There's um, You was a crown of dandelions, legs crossed, our knees touching. I watch your eyes move in small circles to imitate the seasons as you play guitar. There's me singing along as you play Cat Stevens. 
Here's you laughing at me because I don't know the words. Each time I want to give up, you call me Harold and start songs and start song again. You are too young to be mod, but just as kind. There's us in a movie about two people falling in love, soundtrack written and performed by Cat Stevens. This is my favorite memory of us. Even though you would never wear flowers in your hair, can't play guitar, and hate Cat Stevens, the rest is more or less true. <laughs> Some people are familiar with the area of Toronto called Yorkville. It's kind of very shishi, yuppie, um, otherwise might sort of integral to the poem. Uh, not integral, but useful to know uh, to know uh, what that area is like. Um, anyway, this is called. Uh, I'm trying to get the light right here. Um, North America. I was watching one of those shows where mothers bring their daughters on TV to tell them what bad people they've become. It wasn't Springer, the mothers didn't hit their girls with chairs, just called them sluts. I can't remember what was wrong with the daughters, they were too fat or on drugs or both. And I started thinking if my daughter was too fat or on drugs, I'd still be happy that I had a daughter. I'd still be proud of her for being alive. And then I thought, if I ever have kids, I'll be nice to them in the first place, so they won't get too fat or do drugs. At least, not a lot of drugs. <laughs> and I won't let them watch Springer, maybe not even the news. And I won't die before they're 25, maybe 30. You can't go on Springer by yourself. It's just not entertaining. <laughs> I've been thinking about moving to Tibet and becoming a Buddhist, but I don't know what to pack. <laughs> Which reminds me, I don't think conditioner does anything, but I'm, but I'm afraid not to use it. Just in case. The problem with all those pictures of Jesus is they never show him with carpenter's hands. He always has smooth, he always has clean, smooth fingers. It's just not believable. There's this vegetarian restaurant in Prague owned by Harry Krishnas. They seemed nice and the food was cheap, but after a while they started to recognize me and smiled and said, Harry Krishna, and I'd say Harry Krishna back to them because I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to tell them I like my hair and turtlenecks too much to ever be one of them. But then again, I guess I wouldn't need conditioner. <laughs> Jesus didn't use it, and he turned out okay. I think I like Jesus, but I don't love him. He seems like an alright guy, someone to walk with in Yorkville, pretending to have money. But they can always tell, even if I was with Jesus, they'd still think they're better than me. <laughs> That's okay, it's how evolution works. I'm better than the people on Springer, and the people in Yorkville are better than me. 
I can accept this, and I can accept Jesus with his manicured hands and the mothers who'd rather be famous for a day than kind. of Homeland Security. It's my duty to inform you I saw a flag waving suspiciously outside Grand Central Station. I held my hands to my ears and opened my mouth and stood on one leg, trying to signal the authorities, just like the website told me to. I was only given quarters by a street mine, so I bought beer nuts from a guy standing next to a guy selling watches because you can't buy sugar-coated nuts on the streets in Canada. I want to know what it meant to be an American. And the flag moved so smugly, not selling or buying anything. Just standing there was a golden rod protruding from its rear, displayed proudly as peacock feathers. No one seemed to notice how the flag stripes were expanding, spreading across the city towards the ocean. I began to run across 42nd Street a trail of beer nuts behind me, making my way to Times Square because I thought I should see the Lion King or smoke crack before I die. I could afford either. There I hid amongst the plush animals of the Disney store. By gigantic Mickey Mouse head, I sat down and wept. <laughs> Kaddish for Ariel Sharon. You are now just another disputed border between the homes of the living and the dead, an imperialist even now, relentless, terminal. Mourning or celebration seems too easy for the passing of any man, even though I suspect you were born was only the idea of a heart. <coughs> Something pumps blood to your body as you sleep through the demolitions and airstrikes. Somewhere your children avoid buses and cry sea salt as you cannot even raise your hand to bless them. And though it sounds a little distorted like corked wind chimes, the bell tolls for you too, a piece of the continent, a part of the main, regardless of who it belongs to, will soon wash away. Uh, this poem's called Realism and Anti-Realism, and I took a class last year in metaphysics and spent a lot of time arguing over what is real. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, didn't quite that out. But um, so this kind of kind of based on some of the ideas in that class, and then we'll also see another inc another incident. Um, so realism and anti-realism. You can't close the eyelids of the recently dead. They spring right back like broken Venetian blinds. Many philosophers prefer simple ontologies, ontologies populated as only the bare minimum of types of entities. Last night I received this email from my philosophy professor. I apologize for canceling classes, but my father had a heart attack. A statement is meaningful if and only if it is either analytically or empirically verifiable. 
I administered CPR, but it was too late. At night, the western desert looks like the surface of the moon. I know you all understand, and I don't want to talk about it. Teaching my classes will get me through this. I want to tell you, any entity that isn't observed, sometimes my mother comes back, worm-eaten, decayed, and is one we are not forced to admit. I am embarrassed to be seen with her. An overpopulated universe is in many ways unlovely. In Farafra, I took all my clothes off and floated in a desert hot spring. It offends the aesthetic sense of us who have a taste for desert scapes. There are more stars in the sky than empty space. Time for a couple more. Again, one more. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. See, I know, never keep track. What keeps me up at night? I'm afraid, afraid the art and love are merely hobbies and should only be consummated in 15-minute coffee breaks or they're only the ornaments, the holiday decor of shopping malls. I'm afraid that Bukowski was wrong. What matters most is not how well you walk through the fire but how well you walk around it or find a way to sell it to the wealthy and the bored. I'm afraid, afraid I don't understand the markets, any of them, and this is the only fire left people are willing to walk through. I'm afraid books are more commodity than prayer, and I have the same fear for prayers. Thank you. Jacob and thank you all for uh, for coming and being part of this reading and uh, just uh, reminding you that this is a promo tour for their for their new books and they do have books to sell over there so do go have a look at them you can get an autographed copy and it will be worth double its price by next year <laughs> the way the Canadian market goes thank you again thank you.